Hey guys, this is Matt. And this is Sean. Welcome to the show. We're meeting at the crossroads of wellness and sales in an attempt to share different mental, physical, and spiritual tactics to attain better results in your life of sales. We're going to experiment, challenge, and discuss what may or may not work for you in hopes to push you to become the best version of yourself. Hope you enjoy today's show. All right. We are live here with James. James, what's going on, man? What's up, man? Thanks for having me on the show. This is great. I love your setup already. All right. And, and James, I did want to tell you before we get started that you will get a copy of the recording. Okay. Oh. So now, now this I need a tattoo like on my face that says <laughs> you'll get the recording because this is 2022. <laughs> this is a little joke on every one of James's webinars. Someone always asks, are we going to get the recording? Oh, like we God. haven't been to, you know, 500 webinars. Well, yes, you will get it's the worst the fucking recording. Yeah. So, I, I love it. I love it because it's become a fun way that I like work it into conversation. So we always get people that miss stuff. Because, you know, everybody watches webinars the same way. So they'll, like, look at another screen while they're watching a webinar. And they'll be like, oh, can you repeat that? And I'll be like, yo, I can repeat it. But I'm not going to because you're going to get the recording. <laughs> I love that. Uh, cool. Well, James, if you want to kind of give us a quick introduction on yourself, and we'll get rolling from there. Absolutely. So I am James Say What Sales Buckley. I spend all of my time helping other salespeople sell better. That is literally the name of our company, Sell Better by JB Sales. Our job is to help human beings be better sellers that actually care about their prospects, personalize messages, take the time to research. It turns out what we say matters when we're focused on results. So we need to, we need to change the way that people do sales every single day and stop them from coming in and just going through the motions it's less about volume in 2022 as it is about the quality of the work that we do the best sellers will tell you they do less better i love that i can tell you've never done that intro before i know i never well have done. that's the first time <laughs> <laughs> well done bringing the heat baby um well, well james you know a lot of times we like to kind of kick it off just to know a little bit more about your background you got a pretty cool story uh you know from a health perspective getting diagnosed with type two diabetes, but kind of start at the beginning. How did you get into sales and what was kind of your path to where you are now? Yeah, sure. So I spent 15 years in the kitchen. I was a cook for 15 years uh, in major kitchens all over. So think Bennigan's, mm -hmm. Chili's, Cracker Barrel, right? Like I worked at all these places in the back. Uh, and I don't know if you know anything about working in kitchens, but the atmosphere is always electric. There's all this energy back mm -hmm. there. There's a lot of things happening. You got to be a great communicator. We're always high-fiving and throwing food at each other. It's fun, right? Uh, if you're not throwing food at each other, you're throwing food at the servers, right? <laughs> so it's just a good time. It's just a good time. And I did that for 15 years. And my energy was always really high. And I was a drug addict, right? Like, dude, if you'd asked anyone 20 years ago where I am today, they would tell you dead or in prison. They would not tell you that I work for John Barrows and the rest of the team at JB Sales, one of the most prolific sales teams in the world. They would not say that. Um, so I moved to Tennessee. And I went back to college and I got a divorce all at the same time, like Ooh. rooted, uprooted myself from Miami, Florida, moved to Tennessee within a year. I was getting a divorce uh, and, and starting in college as a non-traditional student with two kids, right? Weirdest place in the world for a 30 plus year old person to be is in a room full of freshly graduated freshmen in college, yeah. right? We cannot relate to anybody. <laughs> Yeah, We cannot relate to what you're saying. What you're saying makes no sense to us. <laughs> we have other <laughs> priorities. 
Uh, I got a degree in writing communications, and at the time, I was managing a Taco Bell. And I saw on Facebook that uh, Cirrus Insight, which is a software company based out of East Tennessee, I'll I'll say it again because it's so weird, a software company (laughs) based out of East Tennessee. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, They ended up hiring me as an SDR. And I took to the role really well because in the restaurant world, we have no fear of meeting strangers. Yeah. No fear. You come into the kitchen, you're new. I'm like poking fun at you right away. Like you already, you're like part of the fam. And if I'm in the front of the house, I approach tables every day and I say, hi, my name is James and I'm with Applebee's. I'm happy to give you guys whatever you like today. Can I start you off with something to drink? Maybe an appetizer, right? People, people immediately do this and with no fear. So my ability to pick up the phone and call a stranger and be like, I'm calling from Serious Insight. Did you know that you could integrate Salesforce with your inbox? At the time, we were the only one of our kind. So that opener hit hard. People would immediately go, no, I didn't know that. And I'd say, oh, well, when are you free? I'm happy to show you around. And they'd say, I'm free at this time. And I would send them a, a quick invite and boom, it was done. I was scheduling 15, 20 demos a week sometimes this way. This is easy. <laughs> yeah. And I immediately got hooked on like this talk to strangers, ask them questions, get them to the next stage. And that was my my intro into sales. Shout out to Alan Brady for posting on Facebook that you were hiring and Zach Metters for hiring me and just letting me off the leash, man, because that was really all it took. Just give me the damn phone. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I love that. It reminds me a lot of a good buddy of ours, Andrew Warren. He was working at Ataka Mac and another good friend of ours. He had this bright personality, didn't go to college and he was a server and literally goes, why are you working here? He's like, what, what are you doing here? Picked him up. He started as an intern, turned SDR, turned AE, and was very successful. He's now a different company. But I think so much of that is just true. It's like your your job every day is to go out there and talk to people. You're selling appetizers, you know, no filter. And it just correlated so well. That's awesome. Yo, it goes against everything that we are told as children, if you think about it, right? If you want to learn more about this, feel free to hit me up. I'm happy to talk about it. We're happy to yeah. talk about health yeah. stuff. Yeah. Let me get to, yeah, yeah, well, let's, yeah, get yeah. It, let's get it straight. Yeah. Our, our parents tell us not to talk to strangers and God, whatever you do, don't get in the car with someone you don't know. We're told this from birth. Yeah. Don't talk to strangers. Don't get in their vehicles. And then fast forward. What like sales is like the number one profession in the world. Most of us are in some level of sales. Our job is often to talk to strangers. Yeah. Don't just talk to the strangers. If you're in sales, get in the van for the candy and the puppies too. Because, because that's where all that stuff is, and you got to be there to get the sale. And and everyone, so it's you like say, an instinctual nightmare for us. And everyone's in sales, regardless of what you're really doing, right? You're always yeah. selling yourself to some degree, and we, you know, we all we, sell ourselves. If you ever yeah. got a job in your life, good job selling yourself. Right. Exactly. So, um, no, that's that, that's a really cool backstory, and that makes total sense with your personality. I could see you yeah. crushing it in the kitchen. Any, uh, you know, before we kind of go towards the optimized sales route, any, uh, crazy kitchen stories that you got, do you guys really do disgusting oh, shit to food? Oh, that, uh, if people complain, so I'll tell you some things. I'll tell you some things. So yeah, yes. Everybody that's ever worked in a kitchen has done something to someone's food. Let's just get that out in the open right now. I feel for everyone. 
that has to have this realization right now on your show, but everyone at some point that worked in the kitchen did something to someone else's food. It happened, okay? Intentionally, intentionally. All right, so there. Whew, now that now that we all feel better, uh, let's let let's let's tell you these stories. So I had a bad habit of torturing new people. That was my that was my like, dude. It was awful. So you know the bun hot water dispensers for the coffee, right? They got the hot water, the red knob. They're yeah. tied to the water line and that hot water will just keep coming out. So we would get new people in and I'd be like, you got to empty this before your shift is over. If you could just empty this, that'd be great. Here, it's just non-stop. use this pitcher. And they would just, and I'd be like, every time it fills up, just dump it out, you know? And they would sit there for <laughs> an hour filling up this pitcher with hot water, just dumping it out, like trying to see if it was going to end. So I had that. I would do that one. Uh, I would also, when we were cleaning all the steam tables, it like all this steam is coming off and you could always spot a young server. Like this is their first job. And you're like, oh man, quick, hurry up and go back there and turn off the hot water valve. And they're like, what? <laughs> back there on the wall, go turn off the hot water valve quick. Right. And they're back there and they're looking at this wall <laughs> with all this stuff on it and they can't, they can't find it. Managers eventually walk past and go, what are you doing? <laughs> like, looking for the hot water valve. <laughs> Would you get, get out of here? Right. Like, that's not a thing. We did that. And then I once told a server that somebody wrote gullible on one of the ceiling tiles on the front of the house <laughs> and that he had to find it. To see which ceiling tile it was. He was out there oh. all night on his first day looking. <laughs> I'm just picturing the movie Waiting. Exactly. You see Waiting? No, that did, was my pulled... inspiration, man. Like, dude, I watched did that you... movie a thousand times. My favorite movie of all time, for sure. I bet you pulled the goat on uh, all the new hires, right? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. No genitals ever left my shorts. Let me be very, very frank about that. <laughs> I love that. Um, so anyway, yeah, no, that's... That's that's classic. I had a, a brief stint as well in the uh, restaurant business slash dining hall when I was in college too. So a lot of a lot of crazy It'll things. It'll toughen you up, man. You got to have thick skin in that business, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned kind of you were you know you were in the business. You you had like a drug addiction problem. Did you get when did you get clean from that? Was that something that kind of came um, in I, conjunction so I, with moving I sales? Up, I sobered up when I moved. Yeah, I sobered up when I moved. Uh, so so. 2006, I was burned at work. I was cleaning a fryer and some of the grease had splashed up into my chest and my neck here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you can still see some of the scarring there, yeah. uh, but it, minor burns, no big deal. Uh, but I was, I was wasted, man. I was on so much dope. And my leader was like, you got to get out of here. I can't have you in here hurt. And I was like, dude, I can't go to the hospital. Like, look at me. Like, there's no way. Anyway, yeah. long story short, doctors aren't stupid, <laughs> right? Yeah. They see this stuff in ERs all the time. So when you get there and your eyes are like headlights, they know exactly what's happening. Uh, plus, I'm burned like in my chest and my neck with fryer grease, and I'm feeling zero pain. Right? I'm just like, what's up, doc? Like, totally fine. Uh, so he's putting the silver dean on me, and he's like, oh, we'll do a chest X-ray just to be safe. And he comes back, and he puts the X-ray up on the light, and there's this big football-sized thing in my chest kind of pushing on my ribs. And he was like, see this big white mass? That's your heart. And at any mm. moment, it could rupture. And within eight seconds, you'd be dead. And there's nothing that anyone in this building would be able to do to stop that from happening. That was all I needed to hear. Uh, it was like three days later. I had a Mayflower truck 
in front of my house and everything I owned on the truck. And we headed to East Tennessee and I have been off cocaine now for 17 years. Congrats, wow. man. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. I relapsed once when my dad died and it was the worst blow I'd ever had. So I was like, this is it. I can live here the rest of my life. This is fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So from there, did, I guess, uh, then you moved to East Tennessee. You've kind of found the sales job. Um, did, did, yeah, that's did when I went kinda... back to college after I sobered up, got the sales okay. job after that, uh, met my wife, got married. Uh, she has two, I have two. So now we have four, very Brady bunch. Um, okay. and it's a lot of fun. Two boys, two girls, loads of fun. They officially go. hate us. They're all teenagers. <laughs> yeah. Um, we don't talk. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> we turn off the Wi-Fi when it's time for dinner. <laughs> I can't, uh, Matt and I, our kids are both around the same age. We've got, you know, three and a half and, you know, around one. And, you know, so we're probably about uh, 10 or 15 years away from that. But it's always interesting mm. to think about how uh, we were punished when we were teens. And then now to your point, it's like turning off the Wi-Fi, taking away that. It's like, what's it going to be like? You know, I used to sneak out of the house all the time. And now, you know, my house has eight cameras everywhere you see the amazon drones that can fly around it's like yeah how are kids gonna do that now and it's like well i guess no, they'll no, just, like, it's they'll gotta live be worse be- than that man life, life 360 the app will track where your kid is all the time some parents are at like adamant about it it's uh it's interesting we we give our kids all the freedom that they want fortunate we're very fortunate they have jobs they you know they're responsible they have cars they pay their insurance like you know it's uh we're, we're very fortunate uh, that it's that way, or at least one of them does. Let me be really clear. <laughs> one out of three, though, that's not bad. <laughs> do, do I lose you? Yeah, I can hear you. I think it might be your Wi-Fi. There, you're back. You're back. You're back. Sorry about that. I think it was our Wi-Fi. No, you're good. And as we were talking about Wi-Fi, we have. Uh, <laughs> The Wi-Fi gods just messing with us. Like, ah, okay. You want to play games? A little tickle. A little (laughs) tickle just for you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so from there, did you, it looks like, you know, you got type 2 diabetes. So was it, was the, did the addiction kind of pivot into food or or how, how do you? you Yeah, I did. I transferred uh, my theory, and this is still my theory. I think I transferred my addiction to drugs to an addiction to food in a big way. I was always an eater, but I was always slim. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when you're doing a couple eight balls a day, you're going to be pretty yeah. slim, right? <laughs> like, yeah. That's the nature of it. Uh, plus, you know, I was one of those guys, like I could do it all the time. It didn't bother me to do it all the time. When you're on that stuff, you don't really eat a lot. Your diet isn't really a concern. Uh, you know, you eat when you can, and if you can't, you can't. Like your health is the last thing you're thinking about when you are an addict of anything. Could be mm-hmm. food, could be Alcohol could be drugs. doesn't matter. Whatever you're addicted yeah. to, your health is the last thing that you're thinking about when you're handling that addiction. So, you know, no judgment there. But once I sobered up and realized that I was unhappy, you know, I, I, had, to, I had to make the change. So I made the change and I started this great life as a sales professional. And I started to build my brand, Say What Sales, which became what it is today. Yeah. Uh, and I've shared this story, man. Like this story is something I say to young people and older people and teams of people that they can hear. You know how many people relate to this type of story? So 
here we go. We go, we go back to college. We get the degree. We start this great career. And then I put on, I don't know, let's say 80 pounds. <laughs> let's say 80 and be kind. <laughs> yeah. It turns out that there's not a lot of calories being burnt when this is the majority of your activity. <laughs> yeah. But right. May, Our fingers ask moving a... up and down on the keyboard. No calories, not enough calories being burnt. Quick question, quick question for in you. General, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, one, one quick question before you kind of get into the, that that move. When you when you moved and you went sober and obviously started in the world of, of sales and software sales, were you as open about your drug addiction then as you are now, or was there any sense of like were you guarded? Like, okay, I'm starting this new thing. I, I can't tell people about the past. Or have you always no, been so open? I was so always open? this way. I was I, I was that. this way from from Jump Street, man. I would tell people about this because I wasn't ashamed of it, you know. There's a lot of people that have a background just like mine. I'm not alone, you know, even if they don't want to be public like I am with it. I'm not alone in this. I know. And that's what's great. So many people feel so guarded. They want to seem perfect and they're not. And that's just, again, we talk about all the time. Like so many people don't want to talk about when they're in a tough mental state or physical state. Like that's what I just, it's so cool that you continue to tell that story and it's not something you just open up later in life. Man, I've, I've lost a lot, you know, uh, you lose your dad, you lose a wife, you lose your kids sometimes, you know, and what can you do? Like life will throw things at you. You have a choice. So I have two affirmations that I say every morning when I put my feet on the ground, I say them in my mind. I'm not going to do any cocaine today. I've been saying that one for 17 years. And who am I going to be able to help today? And those are my two things that I say to myself every single day. And when I sit down at my desk and those two things start happening, I feel like a winner. Yeah. And I'll share that feeling with everyone under the sun that's overcoming anything. Yeah. I love that. Um, but sorry to have, have interrupted as you're kind of going. Oh, into no, I was saying that salespeople in yeah. general have a lack of activity. It's yeah. like a crux yeah. of being a seller because most sales are done behind a monitor today. Yeah, we have the headsets on, like you guys. We got the mouthpiece going. If our mouths are moving, we're making money, right? That's a great thing for a salesperson. If your mouth is moving, you're making money. But if your legs aren't moving and your arms aren't moving and your core's not moving, you're making money while you're damaging your health. Yeah. So without without a shadow of a doubt, I put on well over eighty pounds, maybe closer to a hundred pounds, just in the last seven years of my sales career, and that's a long time. And that's a, that's people say, oh, well, seven years, you know, the hundred pounds over seven years doesn't sound so bad. It is bad. It is bad. Uh, and I developed type two diabetes as a result of me just not even caring what I was eating. I mean, eating like trash. I was a guy that if I ate pizza, I ate an entire 16 inch pizza and I didn't eat the pizza over the course of a night. No, it took me 11 minutes to get through a 16 inch pizza. And in, in your mind, in your mind, where you're saying, "Well, it's okay because I'm not doing cocaine right now." Like it's we justify it in lots of ways. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I never said it like that, but I would say it's fine. I'm young. Yeah, I can you know, go burn I'd, it off. I'd say it's fine. Tomorrow. Look, I'm good. Right, I'm happy. I'm healthy. I've got my health. That's what we say. Mm-hmm. You know, we we. I'm, my wife doesn't care what I look like. It's fine. You know, we justify it in a thousand different ways. But let me tell yeah, you. Yeah. In 2021, when my blood sugar came back with 467, 
there was no justifying that. And I didn't even know like what a healthy blood sugar should be. So that, so my wife for months, <laughs> for months, she was like, I think you're diabetic. And you know how husbands are. We're like, what are you, a doctor? You don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You, just, like, you just Googled that. Come on. Whatever, yeah. dude. WebMD, right? Dr. Yeah. WebMD. <laughs> right? She was on me. And I, I was just adamant about it. I was like, no way. There's no way. So I, the two signs that I was diabetic that she noted was that I could not quench my thirst. I was drinking probably three, four gallons of water a day. Ooh. And then I couldn't make it through the night without peeing. But my man brain... <laughs> was like, well, yeah, I'm drinking all this water. Of course I got to pee. <laughs> yeah. And you don't think about it, but it turns out medically, right? The fact is that if you do what pe most people do and you go to the bathroom before you go to bed, your brain should not be awoken by the, by the sensation that you have to pee. But because your pancreas isn't functioning the way that it should, your brain gets that signal. And you have to get up halfway through the night. So that's a sheer, and, it ha and it's consistent. It's not occasional. It's consistent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So those were the two signs. And then, of course, her father came, who's a diabetic, and he had the testing kit. So he tested, and I had a 467. I was not, I was not a believer. I was like, everybody needs to test right now. Like, make sure I'm not getting punked here. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but sure enough, I had a 467. Everybody else had a 110, a 90. You know, and I, he said to me right there, he was like, maybe we should just take you to the hospital right now. So were you doing zero exercise at, like during this period? Zero. Just, yeah. Zero. zero. Yeah. Okay. No, zero. Yeah. I, okay. I never, I never had a focus on health. I didn't care about it, man. Like wasn't a focus in my life at all. Yeah. You know, I used were, to do, I used to roll around with a bunch of guys doing jujitsu and that was like the most exercise that I would get. Okay. You know, and it was really just a hobby. Like I was not, I wasn't a, a professional or anything. And were you kind of finding yourself justifying it too on the, on the work side? Like, well, you know, I'm, I'm grinding it out. I got all this more time to grind out. Like I don't have time to work out because a lot of times that can kind of be a rational. I never felt like I didn't have time. I just chose to do different things with my time. Okay. You know, I, I'd sit on the couch from seven o'clock at night until 1030, just, you know, zoning out, watching TV, resetting my brain. Yeah. You know, and like, you don't think about that stuff, but you could spend one of those hours out there running. You could spend one of those hours crunching out as many crunches as you can in that hour. Yeah. You know, you, there are lots of things that you can fill that hour with that are good for your health. My legs are like wet noodles right now, thanks to this morning's workout, you know, <laughs> but I've gotten addicted to that feeling and I want it now. It's, it's like I'm going for hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so walk us through okay you get the diagnosis what what, what do you yeah. do from there are you looking at my my immediate pivot was diet okay my immediate pivot i changed my diet right away i was like all right i can't eat the way i've been eating so i changed portions that was the number one thing that i could i had the most control over right away instead of eating a 14 inch pizza i'm gonna have two slices and then i'm gonna say i'm done Instead of eating pizza, I'm going to eat salad, right? Instead of going to the grocery store and buying a ton of processed meat, I'm going to buy two packs of chicken breasts and I'm going to grill them in advance. And that's going to be my protein for the week. Yeah. Right. And I started making these types of dietary changes. Now it's gravitated to a point where 
I'm like mostly plants and white meat chicken, but I'm satisfying the craving if I get it. Because if I don't satisfy the craving, when I finally give in, it's real bad. So like once a week, <laughs> my brain is like, hey, you should probably get pizza. Okay, cool. But I'm going to eat this cauliflower pizza instead. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm going to eat this pizza that has the cauliflower crust instead of ordering from Papa John's. <laughs> yeah. Did, did yeah. you find yourself kind of go? go decisions go. were first. And did you find yourself when you started doing the portion control you know, falling back into bad habits at all? Or was it like a, once you made the decision, you were kind of off to the races. So portion control was where it started. And then it started to be about light exercise. So I live on almost three acres in the back. You've probably seen it in my videos. Everybody says, Oh, what park do you go to? No, that's my property. That's my farm. Right. So I walk the property, right. And then I would run the property. And then I started doing like my, my friend, Chris Merrill and Mike K we all started a text string where we were like, how many pushups can you do today? And we would like take 10, 15 right there. Every time, every, like as many as you could through the day, we were sending each other numbers like 150, 200. Right. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where it was like, all right, cool. But this time I'm going to add crunches. How many crunches can you add to yours today? And all of us were just like back and forth for like months. So the next thing I knew it was like a thing for me. I was like, all right, I got to beat my number from yesterday. I got to beat my number from yesterday for every single exercise. And that became the game. And that eventually led to me saying, all right, I, I'm going to have to step this up a notch. What's the move? Well, John and the rest of the team at JB Sales decided our health and wellness matters more than anything. So he said, we're going to give you a stipend for your health and wellness. I said, good. I'm going to spend it all at once. <laughs> so I went to the gym. And I said, I don't want to hear anything about it. I want an annual membership where I can come in here and work out anytime I want. And I want your best personal trainer twice a week. And they were like, okay, well, here's the cost. And I said, good. John's paying for it anyway. So so I did. And let me tell you that I'm in that gym Monday through Friday, every day without fail. And I work out in the afternoons here at the house afterwards. So two a days is where I'm at now. I am down 19.2% just in the fat around my vital organs, my heart and my liver. This is the same awesome. thing that Daryl had talked about. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had a guest on and, and one of the things he was doing was, uh, and I'm assuming you're doing DEXA scans. Uh, Stiku is the name of it. It's, uh, oh, it's a like platform and you stand on it and it kind of sp- okay. turns you around. Scans okay. you. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Pr- probably similar, but, but this guest we had on that was something he did for, for his uh, employees too was stipends for DEXA scans and things like that. And then he would sit there and review with them. You know, it's, it's an, like an opt-in program, but Hey, here's what you look at for visceral fat. And, and his journey kind of started because he thought he was in good shape and he got a DEXA scan and his visceral fat was at extremely high levels. Yeah. He was running marathons and he was like, I ran a marathon. I'm perfect. But his diet was so bad that when he started looking at the fat around all of your, your vital or- organs, he realized he had to change something and he did that something similar where they have a program that's run by the executives of you have to commit the time. We'll pay for the extra stipend. If you finish this 10, 12 week program, like, but it's like, if you're late, three sessions you're kicked out you can still come but you don't get the stipend and just seeing more and more companies throw it out there is number one good the second part is encouraging to actually leverage it because i've had it at two companies where it's always there whether it's continued education or your your own stipend and like 75 percent of the people never ended up using it i think it was one of those benefits they threw out there i had it for the 
I had it for the four years that I was at Cirrus and I never used it. Yeah, but I think a big part of it is you have to have the the well outside of having a health scare of some sort, but having a group that's like that that encourages you to do something, you challenge each other. We've had some buddies that we used to work with. One guy was cool. He was doing a challenge where he was trying to do, I think he was trying to do a hundred pushups an hour, like every work part of the day, just throughout. And he, and he was, we were kind of his accountability buddies and keep us in the loop. Matt and I have done weight loss competition. I'm pretty much the the same weight I was from freshman year of high school. And I attribute a lot of that to diet and fasting, not so much just even the working outside. So it's just so cool to hear more and more people in the way that they're doing it. And again, Sometimes it was COVID that affected them to just make this big change, but obviously, or a big health scare to to make a big change and just seeing it's the positivity. A, it's a shame that out, it takes a big health scare in a lot of people's yeah. cases. I'm no exception, right? I didn't care until that number came back and I freaked out a little bit. But you know, whatever it takes, it, it's got you got to you got to make the change when you have to make the change until you can't make the change, and then it's yeah. it's too late, right? And too you don't want to be that person. You know, that person that loses a limb because they had to remove your left foot due to complications with diabetes, right? When you see stuff like that, you're immediately like, okay, hey, what what can I change? Because <laughs> I got to make a change. You know, there's no choice when you see that kind of stuff. So outside of the physical aspect, what did you notice on the, on like the mental aspect of going through this process? Because that's, that's, you know, almost in our jobs. You, we're, we're mental athletes on the sales side. So did you feel an, an improvement there? I did. So I saw a couple things immediately improve. My focus was 10 times what it was before the physical activity. And I've, I've always been focused. I've always been high energy. I remember yeah. when I, when I went to the doctor, uh, first of all, I avoided doctors like the plague before this, before this, I was uh, probably 10, 15 years before I had seen another doctor. My belief wow. was always that the medical industry is a lot like the penal industry. Once you're in it, it's designed to keep you in it. Yeah. And I still believe that. I think that's still quite quite true. The The problem is, is that we rely on these people to give us an education, and oftentimes I don't think that they do. So I was I was very upset with the medical industry, and I didn't have a doctor. Well, when you get diagnosed or or when you think you have diabetes, there is no choice. You need a doctor. Because you got to know what your next step is. Yeah. So I finally started going to a doctor regularly. The things I've learned about me <laughs> dramatically changed the way that we think about taking care of ourselves. So I, I didn't know that I have uh, a hernia in my core, in my midsection here. Didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Right. So now I'm looking at like, what do I got to do to fix that? Right. Um, my energy level was always high. The doctor said to me on my first visit, people with type 2 diabetes, they struggle to get up in the morning. They struggle with energy. They struggle to get going. Maybe y'all can tell I'm pretty high strung. A little bit. <laughs> A little. So I was like, dude, I don't know who you're talking to. That's not me. Well, my energy is twice as high as it was since I started working out. Um, the productivity went way up because my focus improved. Yeah. So my time management became much less of a burden and much more of a gift because it used to be like back-to-back -back calls and you'd be like, oh, man, like daunting, right? But then you're like, wait, like suddenly it hits you. Why am I setting myself up this way? <laughs> 
I'm booking this myself. Like I can control this, right? And suddenly you start to manage your time a little bit better and you're building in workout routines into your lunch hours and trying to get that cardio in before you get back to the office or back to your desk. If you're working at home, you're, you're getting a standing desk so you can squat (laughs) afternoons, right? There's like so many different ways that we, can use the brain power that being more physically active gives us, but we don't know that we have that potential until after we get into it. And after it really makes the change, I'm still at a point where I'm waiting for the tipping point. I lost 30 pounds on my own before I got the trainer. I'm still only at the 30 pounds. I haven't dropped anymore, but I gained two pounds on the last scan. I'm not worried about the number. I don't care about the number. I'm trying to change my lifestyle. I need my pancreas to work. Yeah. (laughs) I only get one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's just so cool. I always kind of, there's this interesting correlation when you have all the time in the world, your, your productivity and your time management is just awful because you can always put it off, right? Oh, I can do that later. Versus once you have this connection to working out or family or kids or whatever that is, you, you start thinking about how do I manage my time? so efficiently so I can make sure to get that work in so I can make sure I have time with my kids so I can make sure I get to bed early enough to get to that morning workout. And then the, what you can accomplish in four hours, you know, took you the entire day before, but you just rationalized, like we keep talking about like, well, it's cause I have all this time, but then you just start making all these plans and then your energy, you still have it, but it's a different type of energy, right? It's like this, this positive energy, that's different from when you're kind of bogged down, whether it's mentally or your body taking you down. And it's just so cool because it, 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 you feel it too. Cause that's what everyone, everyone in this world of selling, you have to be able to share that energy on a zoom call on a webinar um, because not, not as much face to face. And I think that's, what's just so important. And cause on the flip side, when you're fat, sad, depressed, you, it's the person on the other end of that call is going to feel that too. Right. Well, I mean, you don't you don't have to feel like you're fat, right? I think fat is like a dirty word in the space of health and fitness, right? Yeah. I but at the same time, I didn't realize I didn't you don't realize the lack of emphasis you put on your quality of life overall. Yes. So, I remember before this where and it's still this way, like I won't lie, it's still this way. Before this, it was very like, all right, I'm off at whatever time my last call is over, six o'clock, whatever. And then I'm going to go watch TV. And you put your feet up, you take your shoes off and you watch TV. And then you get up. What do you do? You eat dinner. And then after dinner, you do the dishes and then you sit back down and watch TV. Yeah. Right. And like, it's okay to work towards a point where you can relax. It's not okay to spend all your time relaxing. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the the realization that I think my wife and I have both come to is like, we can, and she's always been more active than me. She's a person that has to fill her time. So now I'm getting more involved in filling the time, but I'm getting more involved <laughs> physically. So it's like, let's go out and, you know, finally clean up the garage. Yeah. Great idea. Right. <laughs> like yeah. that's productive. That's helpful. Let's go out and put up the pool this summer. Okay, great. Let's do that. Now I'm in the pool and I'm, I'm, I'm doing the pools, right? With the kids and stuff. Uh, there are projects in the house that you can do before you sit down and watch TV, right? Yep. 
I want to sit down and relax and watch TV is the biggest hoax that's ever been played on the American public. Because the media has convinced us that that's what we should strive for. And that's what we strive for now. Yeah. It's no longer productive activity or reading enlightenment education. It's leisure, relax, watch TV, turn your mind off. These are great. I agree that it, it's a need for everybody, but if it consumes every afternoon of your life, you will wind up like me and you will get a 467 on your blood sugar if you're not careful. And you will end up struggling to roll the time backwards and get your health back. And, and the way they structure the streaming shows now, it's like, well, here's the whole season at once. And it's like, well, I guess I got to binge it, you know, and everyone sits down. And, Are you still sitting on the couch? And, and yes. especially when COVID hits, it was almost like a, an excuse for people to be lazy for a little bit. They're like, well, you know, I guess I guess I got to binge it at the uncertain times. And, and, you know, some people took that route. And then you saw some people that go, well, I'm going to use this opportunity to lose weight. And you saw these crazy stories of, I'm in quarantine. I lost a hundred pounds. I mean, you know, you, you can go one of two ways here. It, it is a choice that we make. Now we've gotten to a point where we still binge watch, but the way that we binge watch is different. So it used to be that we were like, Oh my God, I can't wait for six o'clock to come. So my wife and I can sit on the couch and watch all the stranger things episodes that we can tonight. Yeah. Right. And you're like, that's the plan. That's the plan. Well, here's a better plan. Do something that's more productive and more active between that six o'clock and eight o'clock hour. And then watch one episode of stranger things between nine and 10 and then go to bed and you've gotten your fix. Watch another episode tomorrow. And we've gotten to a point where we can watch half an episode and we're like, yo, you're ready to, for bed, right? <laughs> we, yeah. go, we go to bed. Uh, here's another good mental health tip. Don't take your cell phone to bed with you. Man, this is such a challenge. I know people that it go is. to bed yeah. and they wake up every hour to check their phone. I'm in sales. Like my, when my phone goes off, it's usually related to like new people, money, you know, opportunity, but I can't bring it to bed with me because it'll distract me from actual sleep. <laughs> yeah. That, I think that's, that's one of the hardest things is, is the phone and we almost have to have it with us for work. But it's also very addicting, and you know, you're just getting these dopamine hits all day long. And I, that's I our addiction myself, as a, as a society. That's our addiction. Yeah, dopamine yep. hit. I, I, absolutely. So it's that weird time where where you, you have to set it aside, and now you're seeing companies um, like one of my wife's old companies that they they started a startup, which is basically a lockbox for your phone. And there's a couple of these out there, but it's like every day when you come home, you put it in there. It'll lock it in the box for a certain amount of time, and you just hey, you, you, it will force you, you know, to be around each other, be around family. Because I noticed that too. The more, the more I'm scrolling, the more I'm on my phone, the more depressed or anxious I feel, and the more I separate from it and just go go take a walk outside. Like when I, if I go for a walk outdoors, do I need my phone? Do I need to listen to an audiobook? Like how about just my thoughts, right? Like and it's and it seems gimmicky, but then what happens? You know, you can make up your own variations of the lockbox, but then once you notice how frequently you're looking for it, then there's this little bit of like, it's that bad. Like the, the having that feeling is actually kind of good to just like go through it a little bit, you know? And if you check, you check your phone, it will show you how many times, I mean, obviously screen time people get, but it'll show you how many times you pick your phone up. And it, sometimes it's crazy. Like 470 times that I've, what's, the what's really, what's really sad 
and I, maybe sad is the wrong word. What's really crazy in our eyes, and this is a generational thing, is that if you compare your screen time on your phone to the screen time of your kids, it's an astronomical difference. My teenagers spend anywhere from six to 10 hours a day looking at their phones. That's entirely too long. Yeah. Right. But think about this. We might only have you, me, the other Gen Xers out there. We might only have an hour and a half's worth of screen time on our phone, but we look at these other monitors. We yeah, look at day. these lights all day, mm-hmm. every day, day in, day out. It has an effect aware on us. Yeah. Sometimes it, it behooves me to put a half an hour on my calendar that just says hold. And at that moment, I turn all my lights off. I shut my computer down and I go outside and I walk. I put my glasses on. It's like an eye thing, but it's also like a reset for me. I got to get my blood going again, get that cardio up. Then I come back and I feel that energy one more time for my next Mm -hmm. call. But if I'm sedentary and I'm just sitting for too long, I feel it now. That used to not bother me. I used to sit all day. Like it didn't phase me but if i don't get up and move i'm like bambi on ice when i finally do get up (laughs) no you you bring up a great point because once you know when COVID hit we we went so virtual i often thought to myself i'm like i love sales i love what i'm in this is like my career but do i want to sit in front of a freaking computer for the rest of my life like I'm, i'm probably gonna get burnt out with doing this style so what, what do I, like, what do you do? Right. I mean, where well, do you go from here? Cause this is kind of the only way to do it. It, it reminds me of, uh, another friend of ours, Plunkett, um, with a buddy who, who was selling HVAC systems commercially or to apartments and whatnot. And then he started in the world of software and it was like his first week and he looks up and it put into perspective. He just was like, I can't do this. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, just staring at a computer all day. And I was like, you know what? Like, I guess it is that bad, right? If you come yeah. from being door to door sales, not having, you know, maybe, you know, getting in front of a computer to complete your sale, but he was like, we do this from nine to five. You're like, yeah, like, that is kind of strange when you think about it, like not having to travel, but just going from door to door sales outside to hearing him work through that was put it all into perspective. And I think that's where I started using a stand up desk. And I was, now I'm very good about a lot of my calls, even if they're Zoom. I typically take them and I'm on a walk, like whether it's in my house kind of pacing, I always try to take any of those calls while getting away from my computer yeah. as much so you, as possible. You probably, see the, you probably see the pool table behind me. If I have a list of phone numbers to dial, I will dial them and I will shoot pool while I have those cold calls, while I do those intros, you know? I love that. Yeah. yeah. I've gotten a lot of questions about that too. Somebody once said to me, well, you know, you don't know who you're calling. And I'm like, I do know who I'm calling. I save all those numbers in my phone. Yeah. (laughs) Save the numbers of your prospects in your phone. If they do call you back, isn't it nice to answer the phone and be like, Hey Mike, (laughs) you must have a big Rolodex in your phone. Better than scrambling to try to look at your CRM and figure out who belongs to this phone number. Yeah. That's not going to work. But yeah, it's, I think I think another piece too is uh, is shifting away from the have to be on camera mode because I, I remember even like pre COVID when we were using like WebEx and stuff, almost no one shared their cameras, and now it's like just the common thing. So you kind of have to be 
in front of your computer, right? You can't just be walking around taking calls. So a lot of times if I cannot do a Zoom call, I'm like, can you just call my cell phone like old school? I'm going to walk yep. outside. I'm going to walk around the house, something. John and I are both that way. I think John Barrows and I both agree that we prefer the phone over any other style of communication. It's not that I don't yeah. like a Zoom call. Obviously, I'm quite adapted to the Zoom call. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it's totally fine. Uh, but if if I can get up and walk while I talk to you, I can promise two things. One, I'm going to be much more engaged in the conversation. Two, my feedback and what I'm contributing to the conversation will be a higher quality. And that's just because my blood is moving to my brain faster. It's thinking quicker. It's functioning in a more higher capacity than it would be mm-hmm. if I was just sitting at my desk or standing at my monitor looking at all my lights, you know? And I think a third point too, I always try to, to with any of my clients or prospects push as much to the phone as possible because if any, all of my best clients, I have a texting relationship with, right? Where I can send off a quick text and get a response versus having to send an email and they want it the same way. They want a quick back and forth as well. Every time I push that, it's a better relationship with the client. You get information a lot easier too. And then the same thing, I don't have to wait on an email. I don't have to wait on the next scheduled meeting. It, it helps out because then it goes again. All of our lives are, are internal and external Zoom meetings. How can we take away the 15, 30 minute meeting that that's internal that we have to review this thing that can be done that previously was done in four seconds in the office, right? That's what everyone always complains. What was done in four seconds is now a 30 minute meeting. It's back to back. So I think that's what the push to the cell phone being able to knock out a quick question back and forth. Uh, Doesn't it make you wonder? Doesn't it make you wonder like how successful would a salesperson be? If you're a salesperson out there listening to this, try this. What if you started reaching out to your prospects and said, want to take a walk with me? Dial this number at three 30. I'll be walking. You can walk. We'll have a great conversation. How many people like would be like, I'm in. I like that. Yeah. Like That'd be a great that. test to run. Yeah. Have you tried that? I'm about to. I'm writing it down like right now. I know. <laughs> I <was gonna> say. <laughs> yeah. A, a B test that, but I, no, I, I love that idea. Cause I think, uh, yeah, very, very much the zoom burnout. Everyone knows about, but that'd be interesting to test too. You just I have that. Your- have zoom burnout. And I don't think that's a real thing. I think that's a myth. I think that's something that people that don't like the way they look and sound on screen say, because they don't want to look at themselves. They don't want to have to listen to their calls. They don't want to have to rewatch the train wreck. That was that demo that, that went bad. Right. I think that's the reason why people label it as zoom fatigue. There's also something to be said for the efficiency that we have created. We have created a world where we don't have to do it the way it used to be done. I was a door to door B2B salesman and a door to door residential salesman. And I can tell you, I will choose Zoom fatigue or any other label you'd like to give it over walking around in 99 degree heat, banging on doors, getting the door shut in my face every day, all day. So the people that complain about it, I'm always like, yo, what would be your alternative? They don't have one. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's non-sales people that a lot of this is coming from. And it's the, it's the back-to-back you know, video call. I can't, I'm like, I'm stuck in my chair, that aspect of like not moving, kind of being stuck in that. So, but I, again, I agree. If, I, you, if you put time on your calendar to not be stuck in your chair, you won't feel that way. Yeah. But they have to manage their time more efficiently. 
If they want to get away from the desk, get away from the desk. Nobody's chaining them to the desk. Nine times out of 10, when I talk to salespeople that feel this level of anxiety and pressure, it's all coming from within. Yeah. Or it's coming from a lack of knowledge that they're in control of their own destinies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think with the zoom fatigue or whatever, for me, I think a big part of it was this forced artificialness when it all happened, right? People, I don't know about you guys, like we tried to do like team happy hours and it was kind of this forced get together and it was just, it ended up being kind of awkward versus I almost feel like if we called it as it is, like, hey guys, we're going to all jump. Like it just seemed too forced and artificial versus what I think a lot of people have now realized and it can make it a very natural thing versus I think the first year of COVID, it was like, trying to make it seem like you are right in person. It's like, listen, that's not, that's not the case, but let's make the most of it. So I think that's the biggest thing is understanding it's not the exact same, but how do we, again, you jumped on and I was like, clearest camera I've seen in a while. Like, how do we make it seem like we're there? How do we make it seem natural as, as possible without having to like call out the fact that we aren't together? I think that was just the biggest thing that it's just, it was so unnatural for a year. Now people have gotten used to it where, you know, same thing. I love it. And then being able to incorporate now some in person, now some taking away from the computer is the important thing. But I do agree that there's a little bit of fakeness to whatever the Zoom fatigue. It's just something else is there. I think that we were trying to scramble for some sense of community and connectedness in an unconnected time. But you'll notice that a lot of that's died out and no one cares. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like I, if anything, my, and this is probably just my uh, eternal optimist brain kicking in. I think that this has had a pleasant side effect of making people feel more comfortable being by themselves as well. A codependency exists in a lot of people where they feel like if they don't have someone around them all the time, or they're not talking to someone all the time, they're uncomfortable. They're anxious. They're not mentally prepared to deal with today. That codependency is not healthy. I think that COVID's impact was dramatic and sad, and it impacted the way that we interact with each other in ways that I don't think we were quite ready for, to be frank. Yeah. But I also think it reminded us that we need to be strong enough to be taking care of ourselves and okay being alone as well with our families, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. Like it reminded us of that. Whether or not somebody wants to admit that that was a pleasant side effect is irrelevant. It happened to a lot of families and a lot of individuals that they realized that they were okay on their own. Yeah. And then it was, how do we make the most of this time while we're alone, right? Hey, you know, some people really dove into health. Some people dove into their professional careers. I saw a lot of people get promoted through COVID that, you know, for every person that lost their job, there are a hundred others that have been promoted to a position that they've wanted for the last decade. You know, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out there. Our mentalities, the way we approach our lives, have an enormous role to play in our perception of success and what that looks like right now i can't i cannot express to you (laughs) i started this this journey and i started to publicize all the weight loss and the fitness and the workouts and stuff and i can't tell you how many personal trainers came at me full sprint full (laughs) sprint what are your weight loss goals (laughs) 
I don't have any weight loss goals, man. I need my pancreas to work again. You think you can help me with that? Yeah. Right? Like we all zeroed in on the things that matter most to us personally, professionally, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. We all zeroed in on that. And that's a good thing that COVID forced us to do. Look inside for the first time in a long time for a lot yep. of people. Yeah. And that adversity really brings out people's character too. You know, like you say, you go one of two ways, you get promoted, you get healthier, you do this, or, you know, you binge watch, you drink more because alcohol sales are blowing up. So it's like, what, you know, who, who are you really when adversity hits? You know, it's always easy to point external and blame something. It's much harder for us to turn that mirror inward and say, what could I have done different? What could I have changed? What can I change about me moving forward to prevent this type of thing from happening again? More people need to be saying those things and less people need to be pointing outward and saying it's because of this or it's because of that or it's because of them. No, it's not. You don't have to let those people affect you. But this is all choice. It's choice that we make in how we're going to govern our lives, how we're going to raise our families, how we're going to teach our young people, how we're going to react when something negative happens. Choice is the difference between us and the animals. Yeah. And I think for us, a lot of our focus over the last couple of years has just been reemphasizing. You also have the choice to talk about this and be open about everything that you're going through. So that's number one. We want to talk to everyone about all the challenges they've gone through to hear it so they can feel confident and do it and talk about it with their peers, whether it's coworkers or friends or whatnot. And then also a lot of our focus is, opening people's minds to things that they might not have tried in the past, right? Again, we talk about meditation and breath work and fasting and all these certain things that have maybe never been at the forefront of a lot of these people and how it can be incorporated in your day-to-day -day lives to give you that incredible boost of energy, that positive energy. And so I think that's what you're doing, what we're doing, and all the other people we've talked to, it's just I love seeing more and more people emphasizing this, more and more people emphasizing being open about this in the world that we are sellers that wasn't this way 20 years ago at all. No. And that's what's really freaking cool. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it is interesting to see all the change. Um, and yet everything that once worked resurfaces once in a while to let us know that it's still valid, you know? Uh, I think that part of it has been fun too, just seeing all the things, you know, we hear it every year. Cold calling is dead. Six months later, cold calling will always be useful, <laughs> right? It's like, yeah, same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh, the spamming thing doesn't work anymore. Back to cold calling. Okay. Yeah. Yep. It's like, guess what? It all works. You just got to move the chess pieces in a different way each year. So got to use it right. Um, uh, exactly. So I, you know, James, as we wrap up here. What's what's on the horizon for you? Obviously, fixing your pancreas is is top on the health side, but top of the list. Um, yeah, kind of, kind of long term. Do you have any like long term goals, or are you just more of a you know let's let's figure out life as it comes? Um, you know, I, I have a long term goal of changing my my shorts size. So I'm going by my pants size, and right now okay. I'm down to an XL, and I started at a three XL. Go. So. You know, okay. we're making some progress. So I'm, I'm looking to get down to an L. That would be, that there you would go. be really good. Uh, you, you know, go. but hey, 
I'm happy being at XL for the time being and in certain brands, but you know, it's working out. It's working out. Uh, I do want to, I do want to say, if you want to learn more, if you want to connect with me, I'm down. I've never met a stranger in my life. You can follow me on Instagram, on TikTok and on Twitter at say what sales, all one word. Happy to connect with you and have a conversation. And if you want to learn more about becoming an expert sales professional that invests in themselves and relies on yourself, you can check us out at joinjbsales.com. Awesome. Thanks, James. Really enjoyed the conversation today. Appreciate you joining. Thanks, James.